I've been on the road, I've been doing shows. Now we in steak, remember sleeping on the floor. We're still at the gas station when the time's cold. In the kitchen, hostel trying to flip it off the stove. Rockin' fake J's, praying that nobody knows. Watch them take my dog away, it was way too hard to stay composed. Fight to see the light of day, all this blood on my clothes. I was tired every day, green light, it's time to go. I don't wanna live life fast or die too young. Die too young. Hundred miles per hour, might crash cause a good die young. Get a good die young. I don't wanna live life fast or die too young. That's who you are. Cutting my brow, might crash because a good die on. That's okay. Uh, like this? Bring it closer to you. I'm sorry. What? Come closer. Let me know if it's Come closer. perfect. Yes. Um, and yeah. I just can't pull <sighs> myself away. I just can't do escape. I'm I just so much can't weed. stop. I Today? just can't stop. Every can't. day. Every day. <laughs> can't um, stop smoking weed. <clears throat> yes, I can't. But uh, well, we're back. Oh, my God. You got some expensive shoes on. What are those Yeezys? Girl. Are those Yeezys? We can call them Yeezys for the purposes of this. Okay. Those are nice. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um. <laughs> To everybody listening to this episode of Queer Late Night, it's me, your host, Elle McCullers. And for all all intentions and purposes, I want to start this episode off with explaining something I think the girls should know. Let them know. First of all, L is short for less. Because a lot of people are like, is it L or is it less? So, short story, I deleted Facebook about seven years ago. I was like, going to take a social media break. I got back on to like all the social media platforms. Like, I'm going to change it up so no one can find me. This is before I knew there was an algorithm and there was a way about it. I was like, I'm going to change the first name of my fucking profile. And I tried to put L doc because I thought that was cool. I was like, this is like the closest I'm ever going to get to a doctoral degree. <laughs> so I'm going to put L dot. And then Facebook was like, nah, we can't have that. We can't have no dots. We can't have no single letters. Yeah, they got really strict. They became the police about <laughs> yeah. names. But then they started giving away people's like personal information. Mm-hmm. Funny thing. Anyways, I just put E-L-L. And I was like, from that point on, I was like, this would be like a little, it was supposed to be for the internet. But then people started meeting me and calling me that. And I was like, Okay, I mean, I don't see why not, but... Yeah, Facebook really became the feds, but it's crazy people actually take what is on Facebook as religion or the truth. Or any Instagram or social media. We can get to that a whole nother time, but I just wanted to open up with that. I'm so thankful that you're listening to another episode of Queer Late Night, and uh, this episode you can actually view on whatever platform I decide to put it on, most likely here on Instagram or Somewhere nice. I don't know where the girls are watching. Somewhere nice. I don't know where the girls are watching things <laughs> these days. Um, and this episode, I, it's going to be different. One, because I'm the guest. Yeah, I'm the guest. Yes, yeah, y'all. Yes, he's the I guest. I set my whole pussy up, too. I got a brand new set. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, I wish y'all could see it. I mean, this is, because I spoke to, and I know Les made that introduction because I call him Les, because I know him. Yeah. Um. I talked to Les a while ago, and child, we was in his apartment. Yeah. We ain't had no mics. We ain't had no headphones. We had no nothing. She no. has stepped it up. I and had Because I have to give the girls something. Let me, hold on. Let me unbutton my shirt. Because they said on the internet, I was taking some social media classes on YouTube. And oh. they said, you got to hook them, girl. Oh, you know what? <laughs> that sex. Sex The sells. oldest industry in the books. 
Um, before we get any further, I want to introduce you. The reason why I have you here, Trey, is because you are a actual journalist. You're actual producer of an actual show. And I say the, all those things because I'm really proud of you and all the things you've accomplished. Working on John Stewart. What's the name? I don't. What's the, the problem with John Stewart on Apple TV Plus? Oh, the problem with John Stewart on Apple TV Plus. You can stream it. The problem with first John episode Stewart. free. Apple TV Plus. <laughs> Apple TV Plus ain't playing my shit. But you can go and watch John Stewart if you want. Yes, you can. Is that the only thing? That's that's not, is that the that's the, is that the biggest project you've ever worked on? Yeah, I mean that's my job now. I've I've had a bunch of different jobs in journalism in the past at CBS, NBC. Um, I've also produced a show with our friend Daniel. Yeah, uh, the Circuit, which is more of a docu style reality show. But currently, yeah, the problem with John Stewart, Apple TV Plus. Oh, <laughs> bam! As a uh, segment producer, yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, let me tell you something. Trying to produce this podcast out of thin air, having no real formal training on uh, lights, cameras, actions, mm-hmm. um, journalism and, is important too because I realized in this, you got to really, really like pick the source, the information, what you want, the, the whole thing. Um, I'm, I'm happy to have you here and thank you so much for doing this interview. Thank you. Me, about me. Cause I'm a Leo. <laughs> um, well, yeah, we can get get right into it. No, I want I want to ask you a queer question though. Mm-hmm. We always ask queer questions, and I thought about this today while I was riding the escalator at Target. Mm-hmm. What is queer question of the day? And this is for everybody. What is one phrase or word of affirmation you say to yourself daily? You know. I appreciate that question because it took me a while to realize that I am capable. Um, There are so many, I just growing up was the type of person who never really knew what they wanted to do. Yeah. And so everything I've accomplished has almost been like a surprise to me. I never thought that I would work at a, company like NBC. I never thought I could get a promotion there. I never thought that I would, you know, be able to live in New York. I never thought that I would be able to get a job at CBS then. I never thought that, you know, I would be able to live in a certain neighborhood. I never thought that, you know, I just have always seen. Don't tell them I know. (laughs) We're going to get into that. (laughs) But yeah, I just finally had to realize that it's not a fluke and that Things like this don't happen by accident. So even coming to do this interview, knowing that I have a background in journalism, it's like having to hype myself up to say, bitch, you are capable. You can do this. You can do this. You're going on like uh, this show. You're like, girl, I can do this. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. But it's important from small things to the big things. It's like, yeah. Keep them on the same level. You're capable. That I like that. You're capable. Uh, for me, I mean, it's pretty much the same thing. I just, every now and then, I just, I set down my mouse or my keypad or my phone. Like, and I'm like, yes, bitch. Yes, you did that. Mm-hmm. And I was going to tell a joke, but honestly, it was it, just to your effect. There was a bunch of times in life that, you know, I left for the military and there was no one at home. My parents were both at work. And I left not knowing up from down i just knew that i needed to do something but it was i never trusted myself i just went with my gut feeling and it wasn't until you know the pandemic and identifying like you know mental health opportunities i want to say 
I was like, I don't say enough nice stuff to myself. I'm like saying all these mean things, but like how often do I say, you got this or good job or you can do this or I think it's positive to say like, bitch, you need a break. Mm-hmm. Oh, you need to sit down. Like <laughs> you do too much for me. And yeah, I just, yes, bitch is my, you're capable. Um, mm. And I think that I asked that question because I think sometimes it's easy to look externally for validation, for love, for affection, for appreciation. And it's really, it's really easy to get caught up in that. And, you know, I work in nightlife and it's, it's, it's a struggle because you're working with so many other talented artists and talented people that you're looking at and you're trying to like emulate and live up to. And sometimes you just, you get home and you shut the door and you're like, oh my God, what the fuck? Um, okay. And then I'm just like, no, yes, bitch. You say yes, bitch. Um, and the power of manifestation is really important. So if you're ever feeling down and you're looking for something, you look in that mirror and you tell yourself, I got this. I'm doing this. This is for me. Nobody else. I'm changing this. I'm doing this for me because that's also important. Mm-hmm. And that's the quick question for the day, okay? okay. I'm going to try to keep them coming. I'm stepping up the I like whole segments for the girls. but <laughs> <laughs> Segment. Rap. Is there, I mean, you, you, thanks again, you came here and you took your boot off. For everybody that's listening, Trey um, injured himself. Do you want to tell the girls how you injured yourself? So, it was a stormy night in the West Village, and suddenly <laughs> a pack of rabid dogs were sicked on me in the West by Village? the girls who didn't want me on their property. Uh-huh. And so, okay. little Miss Trey was running for her life, and there were people on the sidelines cheering, help him, help her, help them, whatever they are. And this is all a lie. Um, Little Mr. Trey's a liar. I tore my Achilles. <laughs> I, I tore my Achilles playing gay dodgeball. Yes. That's all it was. Were you really? On the newbie night, girl. Oh, they man. had us out there throwing, ducking, dipping, diving, dodging. Dodgeball. On the first night, girl, all the newbies, they had us in there for two hours. And you know what? What I have learned is that the body starts breaking down in your late 20s and nobody's talking about it. Are you in your late 20s? I am 29, soon to be 30 next year. It's soon, because we already had your birthday. Yes. Yeah. Actually, yeah, we were saying this last night, me and um, Chris, is the warranty expires at 30, baby. Tea. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, you start the cricking and the cracking. Yeah. And then, like, just the fear of, like, anything. You're like, wait a minute. Where's my money? <laughs> <laughs> Where is it? Oh, my God. Um, are yeah. you watching anything? You're, you've been in the house? Are you are you tuning in anything? Well, Miss Mama, you brought me here to interview you, not the other way around. So you want to know what I'm watching? Or you want the girls to know what you're watching? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, we no. love a verse situation. No, we can no, flip flop no. it any you're, which way. Oh, flip flop flip flop. <laughs> What's she say at the end of the song? Flip flopping uh, ass bitch. Uh, flip flip flopping flip flopping ass bitch. <laughs> I love I was like Beyonce did a lot of drugs that day. <laughs> <laughs> she had to channel her inner like queer black gay man. I like, have to you know, I know she's vegan and we can move on to me after this, but I know she's vegan. <laughs> But every now and then, I'm just like in Trader Joe's. I'm like, I wonder what Beyonce gets drunk on. Mm. You know, do you think she drinks? She she talks about drinking so much. She has a, a song called Drunk in Love. I, just don't think, I mean, I think she's, she's a fighter too. Even in this album, she's some. I'm gonna need that. I'm gonna need that. Bob, I need that. Something. Something. 
That, she lets the girls she, know. That's when, She's like, that. I have endorsements. I'm that bitch. I'm that bitch. And I'm going to get I'm, drunk. I'm that girl. Okay, wait, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> it's okay. not the time. I love that. It's not. It's not the pearls. It's not my man. I'm that girl. I was actually listening. We don't have to get into okay, this because we'll we could go on forever. Red light, no way I'm coming back home. Long road all on my own. I'm going to be the greatest. Write my name in stone. Write my name in stone. You ready? I am ready. Okay, let me look. Oh, we're at 12 minutes. Go. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I have to make sure the recorder's on. I was going to start this. Let me just. I'm back in Hell's Kitchen. I haven't been in Hell's Kitchen for a while since mm-hmm. I moved. I recently moved from Hell's Kitchen to Harlem, okay. which is the first place I moved when I moved to New York. And <laughs> I recently saw a poll on Facebook that said, Name the city with the most evil gays in the United States. Mm-hmm. And the top result was Hell's Kitchen. Uh-uh. <laughs> most evil. They said the, the most word, evil gays. The word was evil. Fuck. <laughs> and, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Hell's Kitchen is still the gayborhood. You live here. I'm curious Don't about your take on Hell's Kitchen and its reputation and how that compares to your experience living here. Okay. Well, now that they know that I live in Hell's Kitchen, I just want to start this off with saying, it's not my time. (laughs) (laughs) No. um, So I moved to Hell's Kitchen from Crown Heights during the pandemic because I was living in a terrible situation. Like this apartment wasn't kept. It was a slumlord. Like I had rodents, rats, roaches. I mean, I think all the pets had weapons. I was scared of them. And um, my best friend, his boyfriend, you the super of this building. And I'll be honest, I'll be transparent. A bitch didn't have a job. Mm. Um, and I'm going to say that, and that's it, because I've got no lawyer right now. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I filled out the application, and I, I was like, you know what? Hell, I don't, Hell's Kitchen during the pandemic was a lot different from Hell's Kitchen now. It was mm. dead. You know what I mean? People were, dare I say, a little bit more kind, um, understanding. Um, and now I live here in Hell's Kitchen's back open. And one, I'm thankful of the relative convenience because when my mom comes and visit, she comes to Penn Station. It's a, it's a quick get her. I can get her from there. Trying to take a 65 plus year old woman <laughs> to the four train, to the, and and it's, in Brooklyn it gets deep, you know, up and down the stairs and trying to shore the city. It's not easy. So the convenience is nice. Um, I work in nightlife, so. Uh, it's close to work. I would definitely say, okay, now we're going to talk about the evil gaze. Yes. Okay. Get into it. I don't want to leave anyone evil. evil. I don't want to say hey. I want to be as political as that. <laughs> to keep this show going, all right? <laughs> Listen, I love living in Brooklyn. I miss living in Brooklyn. Mm. I feel like diversity is very, very important, um, not only by skin tone, but also by body by uh, cultural background, by beliefs, because it's an opportunity to learn, um, to grow um, for yourself. I, I, don't, I don't think, I'm not saying that's not here in Hell's Kitchen, but it's a heavily cisgender white um, population area. And that's probably because of basic uh, economics. There's a lot of reasons why that is, mm-hmm. but most commonly you'll find that a certain group haven't really done much education outside of their own um, privilege. And that becomes a constant theme 
all over and it makes it really difficult especially when you talk about dating and health kitchen because you you date kind of near where you are right you use apps you get on all these things it's um yeah it's not the most positive and inviting place all the time to be it's not the worst i don't think it's the mm-hmm. worst evil that was probably a big dig but it's not it's not it's not it's not brooklyn okay right and i'm and i'm gonna say that because brooklyn is the most diverse all-encompassing all-inclusive vacation you can never afford to live in also but it's getting like you know what i mean way, yeah the best and the best way to say that too it's not only talking about the lgbtq community or the, the gay population here but it's also like you know whenever i lived in brooklyn i didn't have to say i didn't really care if a bar was like gay or whatever straight or i would go into the bar i used to go to crown inn and i met people there all the time mm-hmm. took them home too took them right to my house mess but it wasn't it wasn't a gay bar it wasn't a gay bar it was just a uh a inviting space for people um here you know even in hell's kitchen there are straight bars and straight venues and things we're just like oh. and people are looking at you weird and you'll still get called a faggot here oh, in hell's kitchen listen i've been called a faggot more times in times square than i have anywhere <laughs> else in new york child <laughs> you know people have it twisted you know but see here it's a little bit different when they say faggot here to me i'm like yes i am living with, i'm working for the gods work, 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 like work. yes i am and they called me a faggot and like crown heights i was running for the hills bitch <laughs> Me and my like four inch pumps. I was like, I'm just trying to get to the fucking subway station. It's it's different. Um, and uh, all in all, yeah, I mean, I can't really speak too much for. It. I try to just be. I try to block out the haterade. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't focus on those type of things. I know who I am, um, and I respect who I am. I respect other people, and I try to give everybody the time of day. It doesn't mm-hmm. always have to be like sexually driven or whatever. If someone wants to talk to me and the bar or the club or whatever the fuck on the sidewalk and it's real i'm like i'm having a conversation with you there are people here in hell's kitchen that do will not give other people the time of day there'll be like you know parties or events where it's it doesn't look inclusive from the flyer it doesn't look inclusive from the instagram feed it doesn't look inviting it looks um heavy so it is what it is if y'all don't like what i had to say oh well fuck it (laughs) He said what he said, and yeah. let it be that. Let it be that. Also, you know what? I want to say this. There's people with inside the community that's heavily aiming for change and making Hell's Kitchen um, inviting and fun and friendly and not evil. You know what I mean? It, Absolutely. It takes a lot, though. You can't put it all on one person or two people. Yeah, that was actually part of my next question in terms of you being a person who works in nightlife and, from my understanding, wants to make a career yes. in being in entertainment yes what do you because i still consider hell's kitchen to be sort of the epicenter yes of like queer nightlife it is the brooklyn girls can fight me that's fine it is um they will fight you too yeah they can yeah. fight me that's fine don't uh, fight me though <laughs> <laughs> actually don't fight me right now i'm don't don't fight me ever <laughs> um I'm, I'm curious about what you find to be great about nightlife as it is now and the ways that you think it can be improved? I think, okay, this is a good question. And thank you for asking that question. Um, I want to start with, I guess, what can be improved. Okay. There's always room for improvement. Um, we just got to be inclusive with our bodies. 
You know what I mean? I know that um, body dysmorphia is real. I'm not trained in that field. I'm not clinical, but I, I read about it and I understand it because it, it happens to people. When you are curating nightlife, it's important that you understand that everyone has money, everyone wants to have a good time, and everyone wants to be represented in some scope of what you're trying to produce. And I know that not every single event is produced to be inclusive of what it should be, but you know it can't always be. If you're like having like a sex party or if you're throwing something particular, you got to do the best you can. But when it comes to nightlife in general, when you're hosting things, you just want to make sure it's diverse and it's inclusive and it speaks to everybody that wants to come and have a good time, and that um, no one ever feels uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or that one particular type of body type or what what have you is represented and not the other type of body types because I appreciate everyone who they are. I'm really big on you know body empowerment, showing off who you are from the inside and out. And I think that right now is a kind of a renaissance era for how we promote that. Because honestly, the girls are getting getting the gigs, right? And then for the things that we're doing right is I think you know, being part of nightlife and having the opportunity to help curate social media and, and empower presence uh, finally, I like the you know, giving everyone an opportunity to showcase their art. Um, Beautiful thing. Ever. I'm going to shout out. It was the most supportive and welcome. And I love it, was, it was an amateur show, yeah, but the girls know. Um, too, because he took over talent management and curated a beautiful show here at Hush. So let's talk about this show at Hush. It's, I can't say it. Vien Renya, Renya, R, I, R E I N A S. Reinas. Reinas. Queens. 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 <gasps> Say it again. Arenas. Las Arenas. Okay. <laughs> you know, I've been sitting there like for like last three weeks, just trying to say it in my head, but not say it out loud to nobody. It's, it's a, it's a, all Latin show. It's a Latin extravaganza. Like it, it's Latin music, and that's you know I've never seen mm -hmm. that really. In house kitchen before but not only that but like just throughout you know house kitchen there's been an influx in showcasing more queens and more performance artists of color which is really important even like to the go-go dancers um to the djs um the host it's more it's influx of people of color and all over the map and that's that's important because you can put somebody in a flyer that I don't know. At least make sure they're the same color as me. I'm gonna go get them. Is it is? Another question I have is in terms of your aspirations to be a part of this this scene and this world. You talked a little bit about you know your two personas. Less is your name. L is uh, the one that I put. There you go. I'm curious about. I think a lot of times when people start a new endeavor they want mm. to fill a void um, yeah. you start a podcast in a space mm. where you don't feel like people are doing your exact idea and yeah. i'm curious about with your persona what void you think that's filling or what uniquely you're bringing to this scene or to the table <coughs> i'm fine don't worry <laughs> That is a very good question. I've never um, thought about that question. All my life, I wanted to be too many things. 
you know what I mean? Um, I started off wanting to be, a, my very first job I went to tell my mom I wanted to be as a garbage truck driver. And she's like, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't give me any pointers, but she was like, aim higher, sis. Aim higher. And, um, you know, we'll go down the track list. I fell in love with, you know, what's her fiance's mom name? Tina Knowles. I wanted to be a designer. I got the package to fit them, and I realized I can't afford it. Where am I going to get $20,000 from? Um, I wanted to be a protector. I joined the military. I wanted to help people and help people prosper. I did public health for five years. With this entertainment endeavor, with launching a podcast, with trying to launch a television show, it goes back to my original love, which is I love art. I love to look at art. I love to watch art. I love to listen to art. I never felt confident enough to pursue any artistic endeavor the way that I felt like it needed to be pursued. So for singing, you know, I have a recorded song on iTunes. It's not the best, but, you know, I always thought you had to go to school for that. Um, for photography is a big one for me. Coming into nightlife, I immediately wanted to take up the role with documenting via, like, you know, photographing, getting a good camera. A lot of imposter syndrome goes with that because there's a lot of talented people in nightlife that have great photos, but it's, it's just a launch of all the art that I appreciate that I want to showcase on top of my mission to help people outside of the nonprofit public health world. I meet creative people. I see them. The first thing you see a drag queen, do not ask her about drag race. Mm. Just ask her about herself, mm -hmm. you know, um, and her story because on top of loving art, I found healing in hearing stories. So opening, you know, trying to launch a podcast where you told, tell stories and was um, both insight and influential was important to me because there's been a lot of dark times in my life that either it was a story or something that someone told me that changed my perspective of what was going on for me at the time. So, you know, prior to getting sober, I had a lot of many drunk nights with some really amazing people that I still love and talk to that are really a part of my life. And, and a lot of those stories and those revelations, I found healing and a sense of validation. So this is the, what I want to do. I want to continue that in some form and just see people prosper. I don't like to like look at the news and see a bunch of shady shit. It's just so sad. I'm like, again, bitch. It's in it, and I'm desensitized. I understand that, but I'm like, okay, well, let me help create something that isn't so fucking like, uh, you know, what the fuck? I, I yeah. The news is becoming, I think, less useful <laughs> to people and less of, I mean. It's become divisive. I, I could go on a tirade about this, but child, the model is outdated. It's obsolete. The news is the iPhone 4. It is. We are 10 generations later. So, it's, it, yeah, I think there is an, a, a craving for something different. It's just so sensationalized, and it, I feel like it's purposely targeted to miss the mark of the things that we're trying to do. Um, but that's what you can tune into this podcast for and listen to me talk all damn time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that question. I also want to know, you mentioned your sobriety. Um, what, child? Lies, <clears throat> um, Yeah, you touched on it a little bit, but I... I do want to know what role, you know, drugs and alcohol have played in your life and your perception of yourself and what you have gained from sobriety. Well, you know, I, was, I started drinking at the age of 16 and 
It was because I wanted to fit in, be cool. I didn't. I remember. I remember the first drink I made. I always go back to that moment. I went to like this guy's kitchen. At, I worked at Best Buy, bitch. Go figure. Retail, retail. Girl, I couldn't get a job at Best Buy. They said you're not good enough. <laughs> I lied. I had someone take my personality <laughs> test. My personality's not meant for retail. I'll cuss the bitch out in a minute. Don't. <laughs> um. No, I you know retail. I started drinking and I continued that behavior. I joined the military, and you know, PTSD is real. Um, unhealthy coping unhealthy coping mechanisms real, and I immediately drawed a relationship to alcohol. And I believe that my personality, um, the likable personality, was rooted in that, and that, that was how I was able to make friends and fit in. And you know, just being in the military, you have to kind of like. You gotta assimilate to something mm. in order to like sneak past majority of the racism and homophobia and all the things that comes around it. So I remember being in the Middle East. I was stationed there, and my friend Corbin, um, really nice, <laughs> straight white guy. I used to have a crush on him, but he don't know that. Um, <laughs> he might now. He might now. He don't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said, "Wow, you're a lot nicer when you're drunk." Oof. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was a military police officer too. Just so everyone knows, I was a master of the arms in the navy, and you want to have a stern, you want to have a stern fixture because here you are, you have an M M nine, M five hundred. Sometimes you have an M sixteen. You have all these damn guns. What's it? What's that? What's useful if you're like gonna let people walk all over you? So I immediately knew that I one, I'm gay and I'm black. I needed two shells. I needed to get a hard shell and then a harder shell, and in that I just just. For years, that's how I was. I was like, I want to have a fun time. Let's go get drunk. I'm sad. Let's get drunk. I'm happy. Let's get drunk. I'm angry. Let's get drunk. Um, and then, you know, over the pandemic, it got to the point where I started noticing. And it was becoming like planned. It was like, okay, tonight I'll have a drink here, a drink there. And then I'll like $100 is gone. And then by like the end of the night, another $50 is gone. And not in counting the alcohol that I spent. And then. The next day, of course, there'd be a long task list of things, whether it be this podcast, me trying to work on my tacky track, <laughs> just a, like a plethora of things that I was never seeming to get through because I was hungover, my body hurt. God forbid I did any other drug like Molly or something. I'm now contemplating my entire life, and that takes days to, and um, my self-worth wasn't really high, you know. I didn't think of myself as a, I didn't, that was a, a point in my life where I didn't have positive affirmations. So it was one day in July, I was like, you know, I felt myself fall like five years or seven, eight years back. I just felt like, you know, not wanting to live anymore. And for me, um, sorry. At the moment, I couldn't think of anyone else but my friends and my family. And how selfish it would be if I did something. Because you never know how hurt someone can be. You never know the impact that you have on someone's life. <laughs> and I um I never told this story. I called the suicide prevention hotline um because I was like, I need to like work on this immediately now. Um, and I'm going to say, you know, positive things. I'm not really quite honestly sure how the suicide hotline works in its full operations. Everything's meant for improvement. 
But when I hung up the phone, I felt like this. I felt like, wow, I'm fucking high as shit. (laughs) 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 And I said... I I don't know what the fuck I just said to him, but I'm pretty sure like it made no fucking sense, and it just sounded like I need to stop doing drugs and drinking. Yeah, and um, I want to share this too. Like I, I I the first person that hit me up was my friend's mom, Miss Amy, uh, my friend Highland's mom. And she's like, "How you doing, sweetie?" I was like, "Well, I was thinking about killing myself." And <laughs> she was like, "Um," and in all seriousness, she was very supportive um she reached out to my friend highland and you know for the first time i let down my i sat down my my sword and shield and i asked for help and um he was so helpful and this is what i mean when i say friends who care and that step up to the plate and you know it's not just pat me on the back or take him out the next day like he got he took me to lunch and he asked me for my um insurance card and um he sat there with me and we called therapist and we called the 1-800 number and you know i got into counseling within like two three days two or three weeks actually mm-hmm. um which was very helpful for me and i even showed up to aa for one time and aa i'm gonna say it, it was it, the one time was what i needed i realized that there are people out here that live above the influence that identify with me and i have to change my life if i want my aspirations and my goals to to seed and to be planted and to grow, I have to make difficult decisions. Mm. For a long time, I couldn't identify that my job was toxic. I thought it was me. I was like, you're showing up too hungover, which is true. I was showing up too fucked up to do get a lot done. But when I got sober and I was working, working, I was working nonstop and not getting ahead and not getting thank you. And I was like, you know, thank God I got sober. I need to quit this fucking job. <laughs> I need to, I, I want to help. I, I love people. But I'm getting paid $43,000. When I asked for forty seven, they said, well, you don't have a master's. Let me get this straight, bitch. You're over here going. That's the tea. You can have another $4,000 when you go back to school and spend $40,000. Right. Ugh, America, do better. Um. It, it changed my life. I got a different career. I My body changed. My skin changed. My relationship with people changed. I realized that there was points and I was giving people absolutely nothing and expecting something and wondering why they fucking hate me. <laughs> yeah, that's my sobriety. Um, I wanted to share that because um, it wasn't for any other reason than I just value, need to value my life a lot better. And if I say I love the people around me, you know, I think they would appreciate if I wasn't having suicidal ideations. I was taking more better care of myself mm-hmm. by getting mental health counseling. By you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's good to have that clear distinction in your it. mind of where people. That's fit. how I felt. Okay, I have been crying. Oh shit! I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. I uh, I appreciate it. And um, to anyone else there out there that's thinking about sobriety or changing their lives in any of those type of directions you know what i empower you to do it yeah like if you want to try it try it that's exactly what i was going to say is that something similar happened to me during the pandemic it was just a time of pause 
to actually reflect at the habits that I had created. And I think it was very easy for me to say, oh, I just like to have fun. But then once I found myself, without going into too much detail, in a position where I was not happy with who I was, a good friend of mine describes sobriety as the journey to becoming okay with being you. And like you said, what do you have to lose? You don't have that. You have nothing. Like, you have only things to gain yeah. from trying it, from looking at the habits, for me personally, that were created in college just yeah. by default yeah. because of the culture, like you said, with the military. The same, same thing is true for being a college athlete. We would work hard and... Party hard. Would, yeah, I wouldn't even call it party hard <laughs> on the weekends. And it just was very beneficial for me to at least take a step back, acknowledge that, and then do something about it. I do, though, I want to get into the topic of friendship uh, okay. with you. I met you at a time, I think just before a lot of that was going on. Um, but I have always felt like you tend to be surrounded by friends. Yeah. Um, Oh my yeah. God, I will say, I did a little digging on your Facebook. Did you know that Facebook says yeah. you're in a relationship? Good. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it. But I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. <laughs> uh, news to me. Um, yeah, no, I just noticed that, you know, based from Facebook and also based on my interaction with you, like friendship is very important. Friendship is very important to you based on what I've observed, what I've experienced um, in a way that is different from, I feel like, the obsession with romance. Like, I feel like a lot of yeah. people prioritize finding a romantic partner over friendships when, in reality, yeah. the more likely valuable relationship you will have will be with those mm -hmm. that are platonic. Um, and so I'm just curious, you know, what you think, like, why you think you are that way and you know your thoughts on that you know i it's a it's a very twisted weird story when i was a kid i was not that way i grew up as an only child um i didn't have a lifestyle of any other kids in the neighborhood i didn't get to go to the birthday parties didn't get to go to anything my parents didn't let me want me to go to them they just i was like it's a long story mm -hmm. about that <laughs> but um i used to pray for friends is that weird? Not at all. I used to be like a little boy and I used to like pray that I would get friends and like be cool and like have some like people around to talk to because I hadn't, didn't have that as a kid. Um, and then I just grew up and I just like people. Um, I, I want to say more of that, but once again, a lot of people that I've met in my life, their journey has influenced and like, you know, collided with my journey and been some of the happiest, lowest, most um, educational, intuitive moments in my life. And I like to keep that around. It's not, you know, some people hoard uh, things like, you know, trinkets and shit like that. I hoard people. <laughs> trinkets and shit. Yeah, I hoard people. And yeah. I, I know like a lot of my friends don't think that I'm hoarding them, but I am hoarding them. They're just in their perspective state where I want them to be. So when you cook me dinner, you was trying to hook me and reel me in. Yeah. So now you won't you won't forget me at the wedding. 
Right now, look at Let's, us. And we're on the same show. <laughs> and I, I already let you. I'm gonna let you, I want to sit in row like two or three. Don't oh. don't have me in the back. You don't want to be in it. Oh, are you have? A, also, who said I'm getting married, girl? No, the gays are doing so much these days. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I just love being around people. Mm-hmm. I enjoy I enjoy the interaction. And honestly, for dating, it's so much work. Mm. That's it. Period. He <laughs> said it's so much work. That's all I need to say. I'm about to sound lazy as fuck, but so much work. <laughs> I do enough. I do enough. I'm trying so hard. Um, you grew up in Salisbury, Maryland. Yes. What was that like? What was your, what has your relationship with your parents been like? Um, very strained. <laughs> we are, you know, I love my mom and my dad, but um, they are very, very intelligent people. And they taught me from a very early age on that nothing is going to fall out of the sky. They taught me work ethic. I was selling candy at the age of like 10. I was the highest school, jump up for heart, high school candy seller. I would get limousine. I would get all the prizes. I would get the best. I was like, like that. That was me. Um, And I I, I learned that from them. Um, And my mom is the person that has always instilled, you know, don't say hate and to kind of have a kind heart and she's a very forgiving um person she's actually out of the two parents she does the most work on herself um and you know it is what it is i i love my parents dearly but when it comes to me being gay it's something that they haven't yet um properly understood took the time to educate themselves well on and been very the most respectful um about um as far as boundaries also like just inquiring on my life in general i feel like we're always just surface level when it comes to me and coming home and things like that and they don't really you know take the time and i always take the time i'm like okay this is becoming one of those things where i feel like it's not mutual and you know, I have set up boundaries for myself that I feel like are much more safe in essence to who I am. I enjoy who I am in New York City. And who I am in New York City is who I am to myself. question about financial uncertainty sometimes you know finances can't be everything i honestly said in another podcast it was a bill to be born it's going to be a bill to put you in the box okay so and you've created you if you're a college student that's gone out here and got this fucking college degree and then you went back and got another fucking college degree this is perspective and then you got another fucking college degree wait a minute shout out to joe biden I mean, shout them out, out. but also shout out to you (laughs) for getting all those fucking college degrees to go and be told on Indeed that you need three to five years of experience, um, blah, 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 to get paid uh, just enough to get you to the next paycheck. It is really crazy (laughs) how employers will find 
any reason not to pay you more money. They were like, you see this tea right here? <laughs> Why is it here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shortchanging is like, should be like a, a, a title to a soundtrack of American <laughs> culture. Right. Oh, you, you went on vacation for two weeks while you were at your last employer? Why? What were you doing? Why'd you do that? And what were you doing? What was the big break? In oh, I was having a mental breakdown in the last job. <laughs> I got right. let down from, so I had to take some time apart. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys don't offer benefits until, what, 90 days? Right. Someone, I got, I'm not going to say the organization, tried to hire me and tell me that my probationary period was for six months. For six months, they were not going to give me health insurance or any type of benefits. So I'm supposed to show up. Like, girl, do y'all want me or not? Do y'all no, need... To fill this role? You, honestly, you encourage shoplifting and larceny <laughs> Wait, by doing this. Ah, <laughs> uh, I think that yeah. we are in a tough time for entertainers. You have to be yeah. very calculated and very particular. Yeah. With what, you have to be very particular with what you say. You have to be very careful. You have to have a, a plan. Um, are you optimistic about your future and your fate. I'm optimistic, uh, but I'm also very uh, careful and skeptical. I was on TikTok the night, as I do at 3 a.m. in the morning, um, and I was seeing this like uh, content creator that I follow. I don't really necessarily like all the stuff, but he was like spitting some real shit about why he was leaving TikTok. He was like, you know, the platforms don't care about you. Um, mental health, check in on yourself very much. And be careful who you work with. And I want to add to that also, I look back on some of the previous work and I definitely didn't do a deeper enough dive or a better enough, good enough research on some of the things that I wanted to talk about. Um, but I'm still like, you know what I mean? Like, mm. I'm still optimistic and I'm going to do my due diligence. I, my whole thing isn't necessarily comedy. I want to take some training on some comedy before True. I'm funny. But you know, but you are funny. I don't want to get sued because <laughs> I don't got no fucking money because I don't pay my bills. No, um, I do pay my bills. I <laughs> I try to steer clear of um things that I know will piss people off. Honestly, that's mm. yeah, a little bit here and See, there. I'm the opposite. But I, I try to, to like, stick to like things provoke. that will be positive projecting. And in that, because it's already like a even mm. neutral ground, I can insert the jokes. It's right. hard to right now in this day and age mm. in, this, in society with the climate and all of these things to really, really go against the grade. You can't, the, all the, I watch comedy from the 90s and from the early 2000s. Some of those things were funny. Some of those things were absolutely wrong to be said. And for comedians, I, I respect the art, I respect the trait, I respect um, I respect what you do, your hustle. But when it comes down to certain things that would provoke danger and harm, that's not funny. You know what I mean? So, you know, and I don't want to say no names. Mm -hmm. There was some comedy, right. not comedy, but some Netflix um, comedy people released some things in, uh, about two years ago. I didn't find it really funny because I was like, if you had read and took in consideration all of the dangers that are happening amongst the trans community, you would think twice before you, you write certain things. Because there are some people in this audience that are 
intelligent. Mm -hmm. They know this is a comedy show. They know that this is not meant to be like, you know, this isn't you to take this out of here and use this amongst your friends. And But some people are there. This is an educational segment for them. This is the most research they're going to do, the most reading they're going to do. And now they see this joke, they think it's okay, and it encourages more danger and more harm. So I'll never, ever do anything anything like that. I um, I just want to, like, make funny jokes about, you know, poor credit and... Um, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that should be enough. <laughs> that's it. Um, All right. Well, I have a few uh, questions that I want you to answer immediately. You're gonna. Okay. It's gonna be an either or. Okay. Whatever comes to your mind first. Okay. Okay. Ready. Ready. Hot or cold. Cold. Day or night. Night. R and B or pop. Pop. Breakfast or dinner. Dinner. Glitter or sequins? Glitter. Top or bottom? Verse. Oh, she, okay. We couldn't catch her on that one. No. <laughs> I know who I am. Amen. Don't, don't get me in there planning for a big party. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a big surprise. Um, that was all the questions I had. This was... This is great. This is great. I see, and I'm gonna take notes because that was a that's how you do an interview, baby. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to discuss? I think um, you asked all the questions that I feel like are the most important. You know, starting the show was meant to be something fun and entertaining, but yet insightful and influential. It's a lot of ground to cover, mm -hmm. but um, I felt like I needed to do an interview with myself so I could get some more direction and focus. What a real time! Journalist, didn't didn't he get an Emmy or is John Stewart? In I am going to the Emmys next weekend. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, our show was Where? nominated for two Emmys. Are you? If you win, are you on stage? I don't know yet. Yes. I, I I mean, let's say yes. yes. Let's speak yes. it into existence. Yes, I will. So I can interview about going on stage at the Emmys. Yes. Get right next to John Stewart. <laughs> Do you see him often? We talk. You know, I've when I was working in the office. Yeah, we see him, you know, a couple times a week, maybe. And, and, like, you have his number? I don't have his number. Okay. I have his email. Not that I want his number, but... I like, have his office okay. in my... Is he a nice person? You know, John is... I, I'm wow. always impressed by how <laughs> That's he... That's not yes or no. Oh, John is a nice person. <laughs> I can never give a straight answer. That's the problem with me. No, 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 go. You were going to say something. But... John definitely feels like he's motivated by the interest of helping people first. And maybe that's just where he's at in his life. Um, but yeah, there's a certain care that he approaches like every topic that we do with. And at the same time, as someone who has hosted a show for so long, I, I get the energy in the sense that even when it comes to our staff, he wants everyone to be yeah. having a good time. He wants everyone to be taken care of, you know. With our police. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I just, I feel, I've never felt so taken care of by an employer. It's not, it's not perfect, obviously. Good. But. Good. You should feel, people should feel taken like, care of by the employer. Just do right by us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not yeah. the bare minimum. Exactly. The, the, 
Um, that's it. That's it, girl. Did you enjoy this interview? I did. This, this was fun. fun. You did great. Oh my god. Oh fuck. Okay. Thank you. Um, are, will you come back and talk about? It's gonna be your turn next. Okay. You gotta go to the Emmys though. Do you? Is the Emmys here in New York City? It's in L.A. Are y'all getting flown out? Girl, yeah. you try to get all of today's day pockets. I, okay, fine. I, Don't answer me. Are you taking a Greyhound bus or not? <laughs> I am being flown out and put up. Like yes, I said. I love that. City girls getting flown, flown out. Flown out. <laughs> they care about us and they show it. I hope you get the Emmy. I do too. And you know what? I think we... I'm, I'm, I'm a little superstitious. But I will say that one of our episodes led to actual legislation being passed that helped veterans. And I think in today's day and age, there is maybe an unwritten emphasis on what social or cultural impact, you know, a piece of media or work has done in terms of who wins these days. And with that in mind, I don't know. It's also, there are some things working in our favor, but that's all I will say. Okay. And I'm optimistic. You have to be optimistic. Yeah. This is really fun. Thank you so much for coming to Queer Late Night to do, I guess, we call this part one. Part one. I will be back if you'll have me back. Yes, I'm going to have you back. What do you mean? This is like, you're like, hello. (laughs) Thank you so much to all the listeners that um, once again came back to listen to Queer Late Night. There's a lot of refocusing, as you probably noticed, that our old resident co-host, Vicky Roman's no longer with us. But we'll be back on the show later this season. And as always, look out for your fellow community members. Do the right thing. Uh, say positive affirmations to yourself and to other people. And most importantly, love yourself. All right. Um, this has been Elm Colors for late night. And I have Mr. Trey. Shannon, thank you so much. Thank you. And I will see y'all soon for the rest of this episode. Bye. Bye. Die too young. Hundred miles per hour might crash 'cause a good die young. Here I come, push it to the limit, can't go no more. Red light.